Amen. You guys ready? <laughs> Bro, how's your leg? You're walking? Dude, I want to. Dude, we need to see we need to see sickness bow before Jesus way more, way more than we're seeing. Um, we've lost a few generals right lately. Um, Benny Johnson um, went to be with the Lord. There's a celebration in there, I know, but it just it just kind of hits. If if you've been around the family, you've been around just Benny. Um, it is just it kind of messes me up a little bit. Um, I think, honestly, you guys, as I've been hearing some of this stuff, it's caused something in me as I hear about people losing their life. I know it sounds morbid. Um, clearly, people are coming back to life. Thank you, Tristan. Um, it's happening. Um, it, at the same time, it reminds me to... <laughs> it reminds me to live. It reminds me to live. And, and I, I was reading a, an author recently, and he starts his introduction. He talks about why he wrote the book. And he talks about that he was on his deathbed, or not his deathbed, he was, he was in the hospital, and he was getting ready to do a surgery that if it didn't work, his chance of surviving was really low. And, and, he, and he said in his book, in his book, he started communicating. This is going to be interesting. You want a hug? All right, just one second. All right. <laughs> but he said this, and, and it, it, I don't know if you're, if you're like, maybe you're nothing like me. Maybe this doesn't happen to you. But when people say these kind of things, it makes me kind of go inside. I'm like, oh, Lord. But he said this. He, he started talking about, he started taking, like, uh, um, inventory of what he's done with his life. And I don't know if you know, but this, that kind of a thing kind of, like, is important to me because I don't want to waste one day of this life um, on anything that doesn't have some kind of importance or significance. Um, we're adopting a couple of kids. I'm like, Lord, let's go. There's nothing easy about that. Um, but there's something in me that just says, Lord, like, this is significant. Like, we're, we're partnering with heaven for something here. And it says, when, when I'm on my deathbed, I hope you're all are there at some point, uh, maybe after I died. I don't know. You can fill the room with people. Um, but I hope, I hope, like, I wonder what they're going to talk about. Are they going to talk about, you know, the things I do? Are they going to talk about Jesse? Well, you know, he, uh, he spent a lot of hours working. Uh, no, I, I hope they say how much he spent with his family. I hope they say how he prayed for these people, uh, that, that the gospel had left its mark. on. So I, all in all, I just think about this. That when, as people are dying, I think, Lord, am I holding anything back from this life? Am I? That's, you're totally fine. It's totally good. Um, I'm just... Am I holding anything back? Have I, have, I, am I, have I allowed the world to push back on me in such a way that I have said no to God? That I have said, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to quit something because it's just hard. All these things kind of go through my mind. And, and to be honest, I'm a bit of an achiever at times on my good days. And um, on my bad days, I'll sit on the couch all day. But, but on my good days, I, I want to see the kingdom. Just I just want to see people get free. I want to I I spear fish. I want to do lots of stuff. But... It's in these moments. And so I, I want to think about, about what I want to share today. And it's, this story's been on my heart for a few weeks. And I feel like it's, it's time to kind of jump into it. But I want to talk about the story in 2 Kings 13, if you want to go there now, of Elisha and, and, and the king of Israel, King Joash. 
And um, I haven't heard the story in a while, so maybe you have or haven't. But the, 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 the background, we're about to read it, is that the, um, the, the king of Israel, they're being attacked multiple times by the, uh, by the, um, the, the, the country of Aram. And, and all the, which is a conglomerate of different tribes that are coming against Israel. And, and he's very he's scared, all this stuff. But hey, one thing to know about this king is that it says in, the, in, in, in chapter 13 that he, he was evil in the, in the eyes of the Lord. That he didn't, he didn't walk with the Lord. He, he kept um, allowing sin to run rampant in his, in his nation. In fact, his father, it said of his father that he, didn't t- he allowed the, the, uh, the Asherah poles or the, the, the idol poles to stay up. And he didn't tear them down. So that's the kind of king he is. But then you have Elisha. He's the prophet. And, and Elisha is one of those prophets that's, that's been involved in a lot of wars. And he's, and he, he's been one of these, these supports for the kings over the ages. And so uh, we pick it up here in verse 14. It's, uh, we, have, um, we have the king going to Elisha. And Elisha's on his deathbed, as you'll see. All right, you guys ready? Let me, let me pray real quick. Father, I just, I just pray you give us a fire just to go after this right now, Lord. I pray you just you'd speak through me, speak through the scriptures, uh, and your Holy Spirit would just deliver a message to you guys. Um, I pray for just, I just pray that your spirit would just lead and guide every single word, that it would be like a seed that bears much fruit today, God. Amen. Okay, so verse 14, I'm just going to read uh, until, I think it's about 18 or so. It says this, when Elijah became sick with the illness of which he was to die, Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over him. He's compassionate. And he said this, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Kind of an odd thing to say, but we're going to get to that. Elisha said to him, okay, so take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. And as he put his hand on it, Oh, and he put his hand on it. Then Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the window toward the east. And he opened it. This would be the direction of the enemy. And Elisha said, said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the Lord's arrow of victory, even the arrow of victory over Aram, for you, for you will defeat their Arameans at Aphek until you have destroyed them. Then he said this, he said, now take the arrows, and he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. And he struck it three times and stopped. So the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck it five or six times. Then you would have struck Aram until you would have destroyed it. But now you shall strike Aram only three times. And so, to talk about this, I'm going to kind of unpack this a little bit, and I'm going to go into a couple things. The first thing I want to look at here is, um, and this, is, this might just be just knowledge of the Bible. I thought that was really interesting. It's interesting when he says, he says, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. I just thought, that's such an odd thing to, to say, and I want to know what that comes from. But if you look in it, actually, it's, it's the exact phrase that Elisha said to Elijah when Elijah was going up in, in, a, in, a, in the chariots and the horses, and he was going up, and this is when Elisha wanted to be there to get the double portion. And so Elisha literally yells at Elijah, 
the, the, the chariots, the, the chariots of, the, of Israel and its horsemen. And so both of these men would have known in that moment what that meant. And I, so I can't help but think the king was, was having this moment with his, with his mentor, with his father figure in his life. Beyond that, I'm not sure exactly what that would mean, except there's an interesting thing that, that Elisha takes, Elisha takes the, the cloak that Elijah gave him and he struck the river. And the river parted, the river Jordan. And it's interesting that the king um, takes the arrows and strikes, also strikes the ground. So Elisha basically is instructing the king to take this bow and this arrow. And I, I was thinking to God, why, why a bow and arrow? What's it about, the bow and arrow? And I just, you know, I, I was thinking about, when I was, I was thinking about why bows and arrows. And I thought, you know, the arrow is, is definitely something that, that, that gets away from you. It's, it's, it's once you shoot it, you don't have any control over it. And it was kind of reminding me, have you, how many of you guys have ever shot a bow and arrow? Raise your hand. Is that most of us? Oh, look at you guys, a bunch of active, little outdoorsy people. Well, I, I had never shot a bow and arrow until last August. And um, I, was, uh, I had taken a, a sabbatical. I was really blessed to have one. And, um, and in, in, in the sabbatical, uh, well, the reason why I took the sabbatical, is, this will be free for you guys, is, is that I was having some, I was just, my body was shutting down on me. And I, I couldn't figure out why. And so I sat down with a buddy of mine. His name's Ryan. He's another pastor friend. And he looks at me, and, and, and I'm like, Ryan, I need some help here, buddy. And I remember the dinner. I remember right where I was. And he says, he says, so what are you doing to refresh yourself? And I sat, and I, I looked at him. And I thought about it. And I thought about it. And then I thought, I think it's a problem that I'm still thinking about this. And I said, Ryan, I don't think I'm doing anything to refresh myself. And so, and so he suggested to me on the sabbatical that I find a couple hobbies that refresh myself. So I thought to myself, what can I take up that I've never done before? And I thought, you know, I've always wanted to shoot some arrows. I've always, I just feel like it's a manly thing to do. Maybe a hunt a boar or something. You know, I don't know. But, and so I, I, I went, to, I did my first archery class ever. And, I'm, and I go in there and I'm a little intimidated. You guys ever been intimidated by a new sport or something like that? By the way, I recently played my first match script match of underwater hockey. Um, it's a thing. You can talk to me later about that. It's hilarious. But uh, I was also a little scared about that too. But so, I, so I'm walking into, a, <laughs> you don't want to hear about that, don't you? Um, Google it. It's fun to watch on YouTube. But, but it's underwater, so you can't. Um, but so I walk into... <laughs> I walk into this, this archery place and feeling really out of place. There's like animal heads on the walls and stuff. And, and I'm like, I'm in the right place, God. This is my new hobby. Anyway, so I'm, I'm, I get there. I file in. I'm in this little class. that I'm in a class. And, and there's a, a couple people on that side. And in comes these three 13-year-old girls. And one of them, it's their birthday. And it's her friends there. And, and I'm next to these girls. And so they give me a bow, a bigger bow than the girls get, okay? And I just want to make that Make that really just clear. And so, and so one at a time, they give, us bow, they give us arrows and teach us how not to, you know, hurt ourselves. And so as we go, we've got the targets, and we're just shooting. And I, I'm keenly aware of the pressure I feel to hit the target more times than said 13-year-olds. Okay? And so we're lining up, and, and I'm trying to just block them out. And the Lord, this is just me. I'm refreshed. This is beautiful. And then at the end of this thing, there's, they, they, they do this fun thing where they put a balloon on the target, and you're supposed to pop the balloon. And uh, some of you guys have probably done this before. I was excited. This was great. But I, the pressure, like, increased now because there's a balloon that they're all going to hear pop 
or not pop. And I tell you, I think for every balloon that I pop, they pop three. And they're all cheering and excited. And I'm like, okay, all right. I'm going to pop my balloon. So I ended up popping a couple of balloons. But here's what I learned with, with, with arrows is that you, you can't just throw an arrow at a target. It actually has to be drawn back. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a tension that has to be created with the arrow. And so there's a pulling back. And the other thing I realized is that when you're shoot, they teach you how to shoot guns too, but uh, this, is, this is about arrows. But they, they don't, you're not supposed to look at the arrow as you're shooting. You're supposed to look at the target. You're supposed to look where you're going with it, not at the thing you're shooting, where you're at. And so one thing I really, I love about the arrow, I felt like the Lord, the Lord loves symbolic acts. I mean, why did he use an arrow, right? But I believe the Lord is saying to, he's using this to, to recognize that when we're going after something, whatever we're shooting at, he wants us to look at where he's going. He doesn't want us to look at what we have. He doesn't want to look at where we're at right now. He wants to look at where we want to go. Some of you guys are dreamers. Some of you aren't. But when you dream, how effective is it to dream with the understanding of what you have in your bank account? Have you ever tried to dream about something only to think, well, that'll never work? That'll never work. I got to meet a couple dreamers, and, and I, I, when I'm around dreamers, I am amazed at what they get, of what they actually accomplish. And I've learned from dreamers that they are so focused on the target of what God has shown them, they're not so much worried about how many arrows they have. I love that. The other thing about arrows I, th- I thought was fascinating as I was thinking about this is this idea of being drawn back. And I think as we, you, don't, you don't pull a bow back, you draw a bow back. And I was asking the Lord, I'm like, God, what is it? We're going to get back to the story in a second. But what is it about this drawing back? Is, it, is that your power? I feel like I'd heard a sermon as before. And so I was trying to remember what the sermon was. And God just says, that's my love. And I was like, that's too simple, God. And he says, no, it's true. My love is what draws you back. This is what powers you, is my love. The power of the arrow going through the air, that's my grace. But it starts with the love. It starts with leaning into my love. I was, I was thinking about the scripture in 2 Corinthians 5 it said, where Paul says this. says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And so it says that, it said, Paul says that I was compelled or I was drawn by God. See, what's fueling your desires right now? What's fueling this preview to move forward? One thing I think about the king that I, I think the first thing to note is that the king, I, there's some good things to think about him. One, he was filled with compassion. He was crying over his, uh, his father figure here. But in the end, he, he only struck the ground three times. And you can say, well, how did he know he was supposed to strike it five to six times? Maybe he was just going the old super spiritual, and he's like, the number three, this perfect number, right? Let's just go one, two, three, I win, right? And, but no, he... The prophet had told him, this is the arrow of victory. And so he should have known to keep striking. I don't know how many times he was supposed to strike. But he was chastised for not striking enough, that he quit early, that he stopped. That he faced that, that and I don't know why. And I started talking to the Lord, because it doesn't exactly say why he stopped. But I was asking God, hey, God, do you know why he stopped? And in a moment of like, in a moment, I was, I was really blessed. I, 
This is what I heard. This is not what the scriptures say. So just take that. But I felt like the Lord tell me this. He, he says, he, he stopped. Actually, I wrote it down. He stopped because, well, uh, his heart was hurting. He said that Joash, the, the king, stopped because he was more aware of the, of, the, of the pain that he was losing a father than he was about who God was in this moment. That he stopped because he, was, he, he did not have the walk with him that, that maybe you or I have. And so it was like, it was, it was, he allowed, he was a man that was both conflicted. He was, he was both wanting to follow God, but he was also very much allowing sin to run in the land. And so Joash, I believe Joash stopped because he didn't have this fire in him to see God's plans fully accomplished. So he stopped early. He wasn't compelled by love. He wasn't drawn in by love. And so I was, I'll say this, I believe that, I believe that we often stop short, we, we, We'll be going after, so we'll hear his voice, and we'll start a project, we'll start a calling on our life. And at some point, it gets hard. At some point, you thought something was supposed to work out, and it didn't. And it was because, it was because you got disappointed, because you let, you let his love die from your heart, in a sense, in that area. And, you just, and, and there's something in that. I don't know about you guys, but I have stopped many things. I remember um, Lou Engel said, I've started and stopped, and, 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 and what does he say? I have failed more fast than you'll have ever started. And I just feel like there's a part of me that has started a lot of things and has not finished them. And as I think about this man that, that, that he didn't give everything in that moment, I think about, God, I, I, I want to be a people. I want to be a people that no matter what we accomplish at the end of the day, did we give it everything? Whether your greatest dreams are ever completed or maybe you're like, maybe you're like Abraham where he never got to see the promises, but he gave everything. I think about Caleb, who, who Moses said, Caleb, he sent, he sent Caleb into the, into, the, into the promised land, and he came back out, and he says, there's a lot of giants, but I think we've got this. I think God's going to deliver us. And he was not permitted to finish. And so for 40 years, Caleb wandered around the wilderness with the Israelites until he came back under Joshua. And Joshua finally said this. He says, all right, Caleb, you can go and have your land. And there's just something powerful about a man that held on to the conviction that God is for him, that didn't quit, and he walked into this land. And you know, the interesting thing about that story is that Caleb walked back into the promised land, and there were still giants. But he sets a table before us in the midst of our enemies, doesn't he? So this idea of being drawn into love and being shot out, I just... That was, that was capturing my heart for this evening, is that if we, can, if we can fully be drawn into his love, then we can be shot anywhere he wants us to go. I think about our culture, our, our tribe here, our church, and, and one thing that somebody came up recently asked me, it says, so what are we about? What are we doing? What's the vision? And I said, you know, I want to be a church that is drawn and compelled by love so much that nothing is impossible for us.
I want to be so drawn in by his affections and and affirmations that he's pleased with you, that you're so convinced that he he just, he wants you to do, he he has so much confidence in you because he's put his son in you that we can literally change this whole city, turn it upside down. The disciples were called the ones that turned the city upside down. Who are these ones that have turned the world upside down? And there's something about that that I feel like I want to be a tribe. I don't know if I want to be a church. I love the word tribe better. It just feels more like primal. And I just felt like, let's get primal these days. Let's just take cities over for Jesus. I know that's not a really, that's a very military view. I've been told you can't say that. You got to say, we want to love the city, which we do. We do. But I just, in my heart, I'm like, oh. And so I think about, <laughs> I think about, like, how do we change a city? And I keep going back to this original thought. And it's, it's kind of what we, what we believe for ourselves is that we love God and we love people. And I believe that as we build big people instead of big organizations, we're going to see the world change. Because you know what transforms cities? Transform people. And I think about this. I was, there's a, there's a, um, a marketing just genius guy named Seth Godin. He wrote a book called Tribes, which I hadn't read in years, but I thought about it as I was thinking about this word tribe. And he says this. He says, you know the kind of people that actually make a change in history are the heretics. They're the ones that, that, that believe something different than the status quo. They're the ones that are willing to push against the normal flow. In our case, I'd say that we push against the world. And he says this, he says, in order for a tribe to be successful, it has to have heretics. It has to have people that are willing to create a ruckus. Everybody say ruckus. Ruckus. Say it again. A ruckus. I want to make a ruckus. (laughs) I want my worship on a Saturday night, a Sunday morning to make a ruckus in heaven. I want the way that I follow the Father to make a ruckus, even if it's just with one person. Even if it's just for the one. You don't have to have a massive ministry to make a ruckus. I think about Jesus. You guys see the Chosen, uh, the Chosen series. At the end of chapter, or season one, they had just finished ministering to the woman at the well. And Jesus, or Peter says, Jesus, does this mean we can tell everybody about you? And Jesus gives them the nod. It's time. And he, the, at the end, he shows like the, there's not 12 of them yet, but there's a group of them. And they're like walking. It's in slow motion, you know. And you can, and I think that even the, uh, the, 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 the producer said, like, they're going to create a ruckus. And you can see that Jesus and his disciples are going to cause trouble. See, they were the heretics of the day. They were the ones that knew the heart of God so well that they were unafraid to go all in, to leave their nets, to leave what's behind. This is a bit of an, an encouraging message. I just want to, I just felt like sometimes I just want to go all in for exhorting. And I just want to exhort you to fall deeper and deeper in love with Jesus. I felt the Lord say this. He says, Jesse, when love is in lack, fear comes in. When you're not drawn in by love, so you can still throw the arrow at stuff. You can still feel effective. But, when, but with, when love is in lack, insecurities come in. Then how many times have we followed our own ideas, our own motivation, our own hype? Just, just to quit at some point. 
There's plenty of people wanting us to be activists in this world, wanting us to make change and to fight the battles. But I'll tell you, if, if you become an activist for Christ without knowing how loved you are, let me put it this way. You can be an activist for Jesus and actually get a lot done, but it won't be his kingdom you're building because you're building from a place of not being in love. And I don't know what you're going to build, but I'll tell you one thing, you're going to burn out. Because if you're building for Jesus without his love, you're going to end up in religion. It's the form of doing stuff for God without that relationship with him. And so this is why I think most of our messages, I'd be, I'd be pretty safe to say, like, whatever is preached up here, Mike or other people, about 80% of them end in <laughs> fall in love with Jesus. Spend time with him. And so I really believe that the king of Israel in that moment was deficient in knowing how loved he was. He didn't know who his God was because he spent so much time compromising. And I don't know where you're at today if you have one foot in all in and, and the other foot in, I think I can do this myself. But I feel like the Lord just wants to call us again and again to just to fall deeper in love with him. I'm not even giving you a raw, raw message like, go charge. What I think we're really called to do is lean further back into that bow. Lean further back in love. What's that look like? It just looks like searching your heart. God, where am I not? Where do I want to trust you? I, I thought about this one thought is how many of us have had disappointments? How come we, most of us, a lot of us stop sometimes just because we're disappointed. What we thought would happen didn't happen. Well, God, I remember one time God told me, he says, Jesse, I want you to start an online worship school. And I thought, this sounds rad. I love worship. I love teaching. I love equipping. I'm in. I built this. I literally had a whole, uh, we rented out the sound studio up in Reading, packed it full of a bunch of radical worshipers. And we had a sound engineer, the whole thing. You can literally listen to the whole album even today. And it's fire. And then, and then he told me to make a website and all this stuff. And I made the website, spent hundreds of hours because I have no idea how to make a website. And I used WordPress, which apparently that, that just added to my worries. And so literally you can go on, I don't actually don't think you can find it anymore, but it was called revealworshipproject.org, revealworshipproject.org. You can't find it. I think it's on Vimeo though. Anyway, you can see there's some really, because we had like three camera people doing HD videography. And there was, when I was done with all of that, Nobody watched it, except maybe four people. And I've got a couple people in my family already, so I just, I wasn't sure who the other two were. Um, but <laughs> Mike watched it, yeah! <laughs> Who's the other one? Who is it? <laughs> and I, honestly, I was discouraged. I was like, God, I wasted all this time and money, because I spent a lot of my own money. I think I tried to raise some of it, but it... I spent my own money paying the, the, uh, the videographers and, and paying the sound engineers so that it would be excellent. And at the end of it, I'm just like, God, what the heck was that about? And, and you know, I just think God liked me creating something for him. I just think God loved that I followed him around as we built something that was beautiful. I don't know who, who it blessed, it doesn't matter because I did it with him. 
And so, so often the things that you're doing now are not for now. It was through that kind of thing. I think years later, I thought someone was asking me, Jesse, what do you want to do with your life? I'm like, I don't know. I just finished ministry school. And, I, and it was in that moment I thought, you know what I really loved about that thing I did with God is I loved being the director of all of it. That was really fun for me. That was a lot of life. I can remember how great that was. And so I realized that God probably brought me through all that just for the experience of doing something powerful with him. And so I just want to encourage you too, if that, if that feeds anybody here, that what you're doing right now, it may not be for right now. You may be a school teacher that God is not wanting to end a school teacher. He wants you to begin to direct and manage a school. But right now you're a school teacher. But if you're a school teacher, lean back, be drawn by God, get compelled so that he can shoot you somewhere. So he can shoot you. I think that's it. I'm excited. Why don't you guys stand with me? Can I, I want to pray for anything that you're doing right now that either A, you're discouraged in and, and you're, you're in danger of quitting. Now listen, if God tells you to quit, quit. All right, don't be that person like, oh, I'm not a quitter, God. <laughs> but, if, but, but if he has not told you to stop and you're discouraged, Actually, real quick, just, just so I know, is there one or two people that are in that place right now? You're doing something, and I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm tired. Maybe I'm worn out. Maybe I've lost his voice. I don't hear it anymore. All these things. It could be anything. So I'm going to pray for you guys, for one. And, and two, I want to I pray for, for dreams that you have right now. That that arrow is knocked, it's ready, and it just needs to be drawn back and, and, and launched. And I want to say, how many of you guys feel like the Lord is calling you into something, but, but you're not sure if you have enough right now to get yourself there? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Cool. So it's about, I don't know, another seven or eight people. All right, the rest of you guys, I just encourage just maybe reach your hand out to some of these people. I'm going to pray. Father. Father, I just, we lift up our hearts to you right now, God. And first and foremost, God, I, I pray right now that you would lead us, Lord, in such a life that we would leave nothing on the table. That the king of Israel, some would say he left arrows in the quiver before he died. And so, Father, I pray that we would shoot every last arrow while we're on this earth, God. God, I pray that, there would be, that we would live lives of meaning and purpose, not according to the world says, or even our own understanding, Father, that if our life is supposed to be out loving one person, I pray nothing would stop us from loving that one. But if, God, if we're called to love the multitudes, God, in beautiful ways, I pray that we would also be courageous in that. And so I pray courage over some of you that are afraid to step out, courage over some of you that are afraid to believe that God is who he is for you. And so, Father, I pray for right now for those people that are in the middle of this thing and they, they're feeling the energy drain, they're feeling the... I, I pray, God, I pray for strength and I pray for, I pray for your voice to remind them that it's all about love, that it's all about being drawn into the Father's love because in the Father's love, anything is possible. First John 4 says that we 
can love only because he first loved us. Imagine if it said this, we can only be shot out if we're first drawn back into love. And so I pray, if, if they need a fresh drawing, Lord, I pray you draw them into love. Song of Solomon says, says, come away with me, my beloved, my bride. I pray you would woo people tonight, God, into your love. And I pray, God, for courage for those people that are ready to start something new and they're ready to create a ruckus to be, to be part of this tribe, God. And I pray lastly for this tribe, I pray for this church, God. I pray for the people in this tribe, Lord, that we would together, we would form together, we would draw near one another, that we would love one another so much so that the world is turned upside down. <laughs> Come on, God, would you do the impossible? Would you send your gospel out to save the lost? to heal the sick, to raise the dead. Yeah, we love you, Father. We just give everything to you, God. <laughs> In your name, amen. Amen. Awesome, guys. Awesome. Awesome. Can we have the prayer team up? And if you're not on the prayer team, Adam, why don't you come on up? I, I, I need you on the prayer team today. Get a few more people. <laughs> um, the only thing I can think of is um, in two weeks, we've got um, a dinner out back. We're gonna, I think the, 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 the cornhole game was so impactful. We're gonna have some more games this time. It's gonna be a hoot. We'll, we'll, we'll auction off. Uh, Micah will come and do chores at your house or something. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> He'll pray at your house. There you go. Shut up. Anyway, I love you guys. It's fun to see faces I haven't seen in a while. Um, Father, just, we love you. I just pray each one of you guys just gets rocketed into this week. Gets rocketed into this week. Amen. All right, you guys, have a great week. We'll see you soon.